This is the Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G Podcast. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Cool Meanderings with Dr. Germ G. I'm your host, Dr. Germ G, an aspiring writer, educator, lover of sports, comics, culture. And this podcast is about exploring some of those interests, as many as possible, meandering from topic to topic, the NFL, to the writer's strike, to the NBA, to college sports, to education, the start of another school year, whether it's at the K-12 level or at the university level, and on and on and on. Well, today, I want to spend a little bit of time trying to make sense of what's happening with college sports. I want to specifically focus on this, this, the big news with the conference realignment. Now I touched on this last year when we found out that USC and UCLA were going to join the big 10 after the 2023, 2024 school year. And so they, you know, all the athletic began playing in the Big Ten Conference as of the fall, I, I, I guess, or summer of 2024. Well, I mean, and, and this and this is happened. This happened um, as Oklahoma and Texas from the Big 12 decided that they wanted to join the Southeastern Conference or the SEC which is pretty dominant in the sport of football, uh, American football, by the way. And so this coming season, 2023 to 2024, will be the last for Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12. So they're taking off and heading to the SEC, which I still don't really understand because it's just the SEC is just so top heavy. Oklahoma and Texas are, you know, they've got plenty of money, but the product on the field, particularly in football, has been eh. It's been okay, right? Um, the, trying to think of the last championship. The last championship produced by either Oklahoma or Texas in college football. Whew. I think you have to go back to 2006 when Texas upset USC in the Rose Bowl in the BCS era. I think that's right. Now, I know that Texas showed up again in a uh, BCS National Championship and they got trounced by Nick Saban's Alabama team. It was the first of six or, yeah, six, five or six, five. No, Saban won five national championships with Alabama and one with LSU. So it was the first of five national championships for Nick Saban with Alabama back at the end of the 2009-2010 season. And yeah, so that was the last championship appearance by either of these teams. Now, Oklahoma has made a few college playoffs. Um, Most notably, uh, they had a pretty good performance. They had a pretty good performance against um, uh, Georgia. I thought their performance against Georgia was outstanding back uh, when Baker Mayfield was the QB for Georgia. I think that was the end of the twenty, the twenty seventeen, 
2018 season. That's when uh, you had Georgia and Alabama meeting the national championship or the college football playoff championship for the first time because they would meet again a few years later and you know Georgia would get revenge. But on that particular, end of that particular season, you saw Tua emerge when Alabama had that huge quarterback controversy with Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts, which would eventually send Jalen Hurts to the Oklahoma University who then subsequently lead Oklahoma University back to the playoffs um, in the, yeah, actually, yeah, he would lead them back to the playoffs in the 2019-2020 season. That was the year that Joe Burrow led the LSU Tigers over everyone. They basically destroyed everyone. Um and uh, so, yeah, Oklahoma's been in a few playoffs, but they haven't been in any championship games. Um, it's been, I can't, I, you know what? I'd have to think back. I had to sit down and think about when, when was the last time Oklahoma was in a, I, I, you know what? What's funny is that if you go back to the mid part of the 2000s, that probably was when the Big 12 was really at its peak because you had Texas with Vince Young win the national championship, the BCS national championship against the USC Trojans, who were slightly favored in the 2006 Rose Bowl. And then the year prior, you had Oklahoma play USC for the national championship in the Ro- in the Orange Bowl, and they got demolished. I mean, USC just, I think they won that one 55 to 19. You, you, you can uh, Google that, but I'm pretty sure the final score of that game was 55 to 19, and it wasn't even close. But yeah, that was probably, I think that was the last, no. No, I take that back. I stand corrected. The last appearance by Oklahoma University in a national championship game was in, it was the 2008-2009 season when Mr. Tim Tebow um, led the Florida Gators over the Oklahoma Sooners, who were led by quarterback Sam Bradford. And that, that, that game went back and forth for a while, but Florida prevailed. And it, was a, it wasn't a blowout. It was a, it was a pretty good game. But Florida was just better. But uh, that was the last time that you saw Oklahoma. And you know, oddly enough, the following year is when you had Texas and the national championship against Alabama. So I would say the 2000s were, were particularly strong for both of these football programs. And then some notable years for Oklahoma during the 2010s. Other than that, I mean, it's been pretty quiet for those programs, I think. So for them to shift over to the SEC, now from a financial standpoint, I think it's a great move. But well, maybe for Oklahoma, for Texas, I'm not sure because they already have the Longhorns network. Right, they have their they already have their own television network, so I'm not sure where this, how this benefits. I mean, you know, they're going to have Bama and Georgia and Tennessee and Auburn and who's going to get better? LSU, all these these heavyweights on their schedule. So I I, I wonder like how this actually benefits a Texas or. You know, Oklahoma in terms of 
you know, the bottom line, which is winning. I mean, are they, but maybe the bottom line is money. It's not winning. I don't know. We'll see. Now, when you look beyond football and you start thinking about some of the other sports, well, then that then it's, then it's really a head scratcher. For example, basketball. I mean, both Oklahoma and Texas, I would argue, are probably, you know, the beneficiaries of one of the strongest, if not the strongest, basketball conference in all of America, and that would be the Big 12. The most competitive, for sure. But for some reason, you know, conversely with the SEC, yeah, you, you might have a team that that has an occasional run. You know, sometimes it's Auburn, sometimes it's Kentucky or Tennessee, but but no consistent powers outside of Kentucky. And I think for, for the blue, for the, the, the blue, uh, <clears throat> the Wildcats, I, I would say that it's probably more reputation, historical reputation than production. If you look at their production on paper over the last 10 seasons, Kentucky's been okay. They've been an okay basketball program. In fact, you, you can argue that, you know, Auburn and Tennessee have been just as good, if not better, over the last 10 years in the SEC. So eh, perhaps there there is some logic there. But this is this is largely, obviously, a football move. But even from that standpoint, I just I don't understand. And, and at the time, I didn't understand the USC UCLA move um, from a tradition standpoint because of the the longstanding ri- rivalries between you know, football programs from the Midwest and all those programs on the Pacific coast. But now the PAC 12 in recent weeks has just really come apart. I mean, now you have Oregon and Washington joining USC and UCLA by moving to the big 10 beginning with the 2024, 25 season which is crazy. So you've got USC, UCLA, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, and Washington, Washington, the Washington Huskies all joining the quote unquote big 10. Cause I mean, now what are we, where are we at now? We are, are we, are we at 16 teams now in the big 10, 16, 18? I have to sit down and count, but I mean the big quote unquote big 10 now has got schools from Pascataway, New Jersey with Rutgers University all the way to Seattle, Washington with the University of Washington Huskies down to, you know, Southern California. But of course, the USC Trojans, UCLA Bruins, and then darting back over in the Midwest. It's, it's crazy. So, so yeah, so you've got Oregon and Washington, USC, UCLA, all heading into the big 10 from the pack 12 now, but that's, that was, that's, that was just a start. In addition, you have Colorado who's now led by coach prime Deion Sanders. They made, they decided they announced um, a few weeks ago, maybe a week ago or two weeks ago that they were heading back to the big 12 because Colorado was part of the old big 12, which used to be the big eight. You know, they were they were a former rival of teams like Oklahoma, Nebraska, who used to also be a part of the Big Eight, then the Big Twelve, but then moved to the Big Ten. You know, these were some 
some really great rivalries in the 70s and 80s um, and into the early 90s. Well, so so Colorado is going back. They're going back to the Big 12, but they are bringing Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah with them. This is interesting. So they're bringing they're bringing their their partners from the southwestern part of the Pac-12 into the Big 12, which, you know, regionally you could you could argue makes some sense, you know, and, and these are obviously, you know, pretty big power five programs. And notably, Utah has been quite, quite competitive over the last decade or so. Um, historically, they were more competitive on in basketball but over the last decade or so i mean they've really come become a football power and arizona and arizona state have always been competitive in both football and basketball so these are huge 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 wins in fact these are even bigger wins i would argue these are bigger additions to the pack the big 12 than colorado colorado's mid at best yeah i know they have coach prime now but okay let's see what coach prime actually does i mean when i think Colorado football, I think, you know, Bill McCartney, Eric Bieniemy. I mean, these guys are, you know, in their 50s, in their, you know, is Coach McCartney still alive? I think so, but he's probably in his 80s now, 70s or 80s, and Eric Bieniemy is well into his 50s, trying to, you know, finally get some respect with a head coaching job offer. I, I, I don't understand it, but we'll talk about that another day. It blows my mind. I understand from what I hear you know, the Washington Commanders players are a little soft. They don't like, you know, his approach. Neither did the Kansas City Chief players. But they're playing football anyway. anyway. Well, so what I think of Colorado, I think of those guys, you know, when they were really good in the mid-80s into the early 90s. But since then, I mean, I think they had one Heisman Trophy winner, Rashawn Salam, rest in, ple- rest in peace. Um. He was a, he won the Heisman back in '95. One of the greatest uh, running backs in college football history. They had a couple of they had a couple of really good linebackers come out of Colorado that that had decent careers in the NFL, like Chad Brown, who had a pretty nice career with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I mean, I think Alfred Williams is another one, but he, I think he came out a little earlier. But when you think, I mean. Outside of that, Colorado, from the basketball side, I mean, there's Chauncey Billups. I mean, he was drafted in 97. He's well past, you know, his playing time, playing days. He, he, he's, he's been retired for probably a decade now. Uh, he did win the championship with the Detroit Pistons and was actually the finals MVP. You know, so kudos to him. And, you know, he's a proud, I'm assuming, a proud Colorado alum. My point is that, you know, the Buffaloes, that's what their mascot is, the Buffaloes. I mean, they are, they're making a splash because they hired a potentially great college coach in Deion Sanders away from Jackson State, where he was the man. Um, No disrespect to Jackson State. This is a whole different deal. And if anyone can turn that program around, it would be Deion, but he still has to do it. He hasn't done it yet. So. You know, whereas Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, you know, these, these are proven programs. They were thriving in the Pac-12, whereas Colorado was getting thumped most years. So, you know, these are big gets for the Big 12. So, yeah. So, OK, so the Big 12, they lost 
probably their biggest their biggest draws in Oklahoma and Texas, but they are gaining Arizona, Arizona State now, Colorado, and Utah beginning in 2024 or 2025, but it doesn't end there. They've got one, two, three, four, four uh, football programs, four programs joining this season. They have four programs coming in at the start of this season, and they are BYU, which is independent, in, at least in football, Cincinnati, Houston, and the University of Central Florida, all from the AAC, um, the American Athletic Conference. So they have all left that the AAC to join the Big 12 beginning this year. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot going on there. So the Big 12 has really made some moves. I mean, the Big 12, once they get, once they say goodbye to Oklahoma and Texas and they pick up Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, the Big 12, I mean, the Big 12 will really be the Big 16. But, hey, yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot happening here with it, the, these uh, conference realignments. So... The next season is just going to look just just um, starkingly different, but it's not over. There's still uh, the University of California, Cal, and Stanford University. They are left. They, along with Washington State and Oregon State, have been left in the wake of the dismantling of the uh, the Pac-12, formerly the. Pacific Coast Conference um, or, or the Pac-8, the Pac-12, um, unfortunately, is is basically um, it is probably on life support unless they can pick up some some programs from the Mountain West, maybe the the West Coast Conference. You know, like for basketball, if they were to pick up a Gonzaga, you know, that could make a difference. But who knows? I mean, I don't know. As of right now, there are four programs, four universities left in the Pac-12 beginning with the next season. And it's looking like Cal and Stanford are trying to join the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC. That's right. The Cal Bears and the Stanford Cardinal want to become a part of the ACC. Now, it's going to take at least... 12, according to ESPN, it's going to take at least 12 of the 15 member schools to agree for Cal and Stanford to join. And that decision, again, according to ESPN, that decision could come as early as uh, Wednesday or Thursday of this week. I mean, apparently Notre Dame, which is a part of the ACC with the exception of football, they remain independent. They are on board with Cal and Stanford joining because, you know, they are they've been regular opponents for the Fighting Irish football team, particularly Stanford. In recent years, they've added Cal. So and academically, see, I don't know. Academically, I thought I knew, but I really don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, all of these alliances make sense. I mean, if you said I mean, I don't know to me. I, 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 yeah, yeah, no disrespect to Clemson University or like, uh, you know, I don't mean to pick on Clemson, but, you know, I don't I just don't see Clemson and Stanford 
University on the same level academically, or even Cal and Clemson University. Again, I don't. I hate to pick on Clemson or even Syracuse. I'm sorry, but you know Syracuse is a good school, but Syracuse is not. You know, they're not like like you know what schools are 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 academically on par with Stanford, Cal, okay, Cal Berkeley, UCLA, USC, maybe Washington. Um. Yeah, sure. I mean, you could say you could question whether or not Oregon State is or or even the University of Oregon or Washington State. But enough there. There are enough schools there. And you could say, hey, look, you know, there's Duke University in the ACC. So, there, yeah, sure. Look, there are quite a few schools in the ACC that are in par academically with Stanford and Cal, Duke, um, UNC Chapel Hill, University of Virginia, some of the best academic institutions in the United States. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, but Stanford academically is, I mean, there are, quite frankly, there are very few schools in America that are on par with Stanford University academically. Quite frankly, you know, they could function as an independent and maybe consider playing with the Ivy League, but I guess there's no money there. You go from, you know, I mean, that would be a, a significant downgrade financially i would imagine because in many cases you know the the football revenues are helping to pay for the other sports which is a whole other a whole other discussion here so when you think about these huge conference realignments you know what what does it what happens with the other sports right there's a you know there are i guess each of these athletic programs they compete for i think what's called a director's cup every year to see how universities fare in different sports. And, and so, I mean, you know, the, the, all of these sports are seen and they're acknowledged and appreciated. And most importantly, they're supported. They're supported financially. They're supported by the families of students and by the communities that surround these universities. And so I wonder what's yeah, perhaps and maybe I'm over overstating things here, but I just have to wonder what it's going to mean for the volleyball team, you know, in the. This is the Cool Meanderings podcast with Dr. Germ G.